Wait. Where am I? Oh, whoops. I'm in the wrong thing. Hold on. I got accidentally day drunk earlier. I mean, do, do we know, do we have subject matter that we are going to discuss? Yeah, we're going to just chat, you know? I've got my goblet of wine. We're here. We're AverageMoms.com, the podcast. Welcome to the AverageMoms.com podcast. You're listening to Alicia, Caroline, and Crystal. We are average moms with average problems, and you're about to listen to them. Hey gang, it's Carrie from AverageMoms.com. I'm super psyched about our guest today. It's my sister-in-law, Sarah, who is the mother to two 20-month-old twins, twin boys, Jay and Paul. They are a handful, and we're about to hear all about what it's like to parent twins, to give birth to twins, so on and so forth. So get ready, settle in. It's going to be twin demonium. <laughs> I like it. I like it. What are you drinking? Just a red wine. A little bit of red wine. Is it a box? Out of a mason red jar. Wine? Out of a mason jar that came out of a box. So is it a box? Look how southern jar? you are. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to risk the spillage that comes with the regular wine glass. So I do have stemless wine glasses, but I think they're dirty right now. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. And you were also a recent contributor to the blog, which we're super, super thankful for. But we're so happy to have you on to hear all about twins. Um, I think a really good place to start <laughs> is how you found out you were pregnant with twins and what that was like. Sure. So, yeah. So pregnant with twins. So I think. Um... Uh, Carrie knows this already. I, I don't have a lot of filters. So going into this pregnancy, we had actually lost a pregnancy. Um, so it was a very stressful um, first visit because we had already done that first visit and didn't find a, a baby there. So um, so yeah, going in, like really managing expectations, really nervous about it. Uh, I remember the um, OB and the OB that we selected was the same OB who did the procedure for the miscarriage uh, for us because it was a um, called a missed miscarriage when you don't uh, naturally miscarry. Um, so, so yeah, so we had already had that relationship. So I had, you know, said when when I do get pregnant again, I want you know I want you to be my doctor. So uh, it was her, and you know she was looking around, and she and I was so nervous. And then she like showed the little thing, and she said like, oh like look at that like little little gummy bear, like, see, everything's fine. And, you know, kind of like breathe, breathe sigh of relief. And then, um, and this is a, a transvaginal ultrasound. Uh, so for those of you who had that in your first go, and for the listeners out there, that is when something is in your vagina to find the, the pregnancy there for you. So very candid. So when wait, I, wait, 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 I have two questions already. Two questions already. <laughs> so um, first of all, wait a minute. Do we, I don't even remember, is that like a normal thing for your first ultrasound or is that specifically for a reason that they wanted to do transvaginal ultrasound? It depends on when you go in. It depends on when you go in. So if you go in after a certain point where the heartbeat would be more readily detectable with a regular ultrasound monitor. So was it really early on? And I had it and I was eight, seven. So I went in for eight weeks and then they backdated me eight days because she was measuring small, but it was an eight week appointment. 
and they found the monitor or found the uh, the Doppler. They found the heartbeat with the Doppler, which is pretty early. But they also did a transvaginal ultrasound. So I don't know. I think it's just a preference. Yeah, we just started with the transvaginal ultrasound. It was just reading. We're going to insert here. So... <laughs> and then my other question, wait, was um, how much time had gone by from your first your missed miscarriage to then coming in again like I just can imagine the emotional toil I should really know that more easily but I think it was about a year oh wow okay was it the miscarriage your first pregnancy yeah I was just trying to gather the backstory sorry and there- okay so let's resume you've got a wand up your hoo-ha yeah. Your doctor says you've got a gummy bear in there. Wonderful. Keep going. <laughs> so then it gets quiet. And all I feel is that like there's activity going on. And so I'm like, what is like, is something wrong? Right. So I'm already like keyed up. Is something wrong? Is she seeing something that's bad? You know, my sweetie just there by my side has no idea that anything's happening because it's all, it's all inside. Um, yeah. And then when she finally speaks again, she's like, oh, yeah, there's another one in here. And so then she kind of showed us the, the screen again and said, yeah, you're having twins. And uh, and then we both looked at each other and we're like, oh, like, I think we said like, oh, we were worried about that because it's, so this is actually kind of funny. If you had looked at our Google histories, if you had like looked at our search histories from a few days prior to this appointment, we had both looked up twins because I had been so sick. And that's one of the signs of twins is that your hormone levels are really high early on. So you're more likely to get uh, morning sickness early on. And I don't think either one of us had talked about that with each other until after the fact. And it was like, we both had been like, maybe there's something going on here. So yeah, so it was definitely not one of those like, oh, every generation there are twins and we were just like, you know, that batch. Um, My mom's cousin has twins. Um, not particularly close relation there, but, uh, but yeah, so then we had two, two gummy bears and we were off to the races. I love that they call them gummy bears because my child's first, uh, ultrasound, she literally looked like a T-Rex and that's what she felt like inside. And I was also worried about twins because that is something that they tell you when you're really sick and I would have probably sobbed. I was having twins. My husband wants them. I think I would die. Yeah. How was your, um, how did you, how did you guys, I mean, I'm sure it took a couple of days to process that. So then like, what was that experience like? Uh, so, so Lex and I like to think we're really funny. So I think that we like came up with like one funny line and then used it on everyone. And it was something like, you know, like there are two or something. I don't even remember. It clearly wasn't that funny, but we used it a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I think we, yeah, we just kept saying like, and there are two of them and like, there's two babies and we just try to say that a lot to each other and to anyone who would listen um and then sorry like I'm to be such a downer here but it's also it's also really common in a twin pregnancy to lose one of those pregnancies in fact many pregnancies are are twin pregnancies um that then are not so then it was just like this constant managing of expectations and um yeah 
Because you can't, can't just enjoy something. <laughs> you have to be worried all the time. And then at what point were you like, did you know fully that both twins would survive and, and that you were going to have two healthy children and like you could maybe stop worrying about it? Or did that not end up, that fear ever not go away? I think I started to relax by like the 20 week ultrasound. So like up until then, um, and I'm not like a particularly superstitious person. It's not like I thought I was going to jinx it by believing too much or anything, but I think, I think it's more just like the, the science mind of like the number, you know, the rates and the, the likelihood right. and whatever. And, you know, that's just what it is. And that's all, it's all part of human reproduction involves, you know, these kinds of losses and all that. Um, but, but I will say, you know, and again, like, I'm not that sentimental, but there was definitely this, like, I had a miscarriage and like, now I get to have two babies. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, especially after having experienced a loss and then having that additional fear and anxiety, like, I can imagine that it was really heightened. I, I know that between my first pregnancy and not really knowing what to expect and kind of being in this, like, la la land of just experiencing new things each week with that pregnancy and then going into my second pregnancy and knowing everything that could possibly go wrong and worrying about it constantly my my fear was extremely heightened during my my second pregnancy so i can't even imagine after a loss and then expecting twins how much more that that might have been at a factor yeah. And Sarah, you mentioned that you had been really sick, which is what had kind of tipped you off that this was potentially a situation that you, you guys, you know, would have. And I know Crystal was really sick throughout your pregnancy. So do you want to, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that, that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that are sick during pregnancy, but I just happen to know from personal experience, you were very sick. So were you like, when did you realize that you, like, when did you start Googling your symptoms, I guess? Because, like, everybody tells you that morning sickness is normal. Like, it's normal to be sick during your first, but obviously you knew something was, you were abnormally sick because you were Googling, worrying that something was wrong and coming up with twins. So, like, when, at what point did you realize your sickness wasn't normal sickness? I don't know that, I don't know that Google came up with it's not normal. I think it was just hormones can be anywhere on the charts. And if you're higher on the charts, it could be twins. Um, I know that it was around probably five weeks or six weeks that I was really sick. Um, and I do know that like, and probably a lot of this is first pregnancy kinds of stuff anyway, but I remember like calling and then just saying like, yep, you're sick. That's because you're pregnant. And that's the, that's the deal. Um, so uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there was a real difference. And I would just say, and I did read your blog, um, which was, um, which was really intense. And like, I, that, that's so hard. And I, um, I am so happy that, that you're okay. And that, um, that your baby was okay. And, and all Fun fact, that, um, my kidneys are functioning back again at normal levels. So that's cool. 20 months later. It's a good goal to have. Um, yeah, so I I definitely wasn't in that space. I would say, um, uh, so like in depression, you can have like major depression or you could have like, cyclo what's it called? Cyclosemia, um, sort of like a, a minor depression. I would say that was my my level of hyperemesis. Like it was always there. It was always making me sick. I was never able to enjoy anything. 
there were a couple times where I needed fluids, but I wasn't ever in like organ failure or anything like that. Yeah, but that's still, I mean, that still doesn't sound like a cakewalk there, Sarah. I mean, I think. No, you're... I was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's frustrating that as women, we call our doctors and say, hey, like, I'm really sick. And they just brush it off. Like, oh, it's normal. It's normal. And like, even if it is normal, that doesn't mean you don't deserve some sort of treatment or relief. Like, if, if at no point they were like, hey, you can try this or take this med or do this or whatever, like, try these tactics to like help curb your nausea. I just feel like I, from my experience, felt very brushed off because I called and I called and I called and I said, hey, I'm really sick. And they said, oh, yeah, you're, you're pregnant. That's normal. It's normal. And then I went to my first appointment and I had lost like eight pounds and they were like, oh, that's not normal. And I was like, I've been effing telling you this and nobody listened. So I was just wondering if your experience was similar because you Googled. But anyways, continue. <laughs> well, I guess my question was that like at some point you knew it was not as normal, but then you have to have like the caveat, but it's twins, uh, but there's two. And then, um, but at some point you recognize that you needed fluids. Like who is the one to be like, oh no, this isn't your typical twin pregnancy. And like, and then Crystal, I would love to recap again, like, at, okay, so at your first, your very first appointment, having lost eight pounds, but then when was the first time you had fluids and realized that you were like going into organ failure territory? <laughs> but um, Sarah, so like, when was it that you really distinctively knew that this was hyperemesis? I think, so I think it's really hard and I'm, I'm going to like defend the, the medical uh, field for a minute because pregnancy is really hard on your body. Like, re like a normal pregnancy is really hard. And I think that that was actually in both of my pregnancies, that was like one of the harder things because for some reason, even though I'm in public health and I understand, you know, <laughs> reproductive health, like for some reason, I did not understand that the actual nine months that you're growing a human being are a huge, um, huge investment of your time, energy, um, nutrients, et cetera. For some reason, I thought, oh, once the baby gets here, then I'm going to need to take time off work and I'm going to need to breastfeed. And like that, that was like, I just thought, I don't know what I thought. I just thought I would just be like carrying it around in my pocket. And that <laughs> like, it is possible maybe that other pregnancies happen that way. And that, you know, it's just like, oh, look at that. I have a baby bump. I didn't even realize, but, but that was not my experience of pregnancy. And I think that that part of it is recognizing just like the very, very, very wide range of normal that exists. And how do you even start to plot that out? Uh, in terms of um, when I was like on that higher side of normal, and I still don't even know that it's not, it's necessarily a higher, like it was still in the realm of normal. My, thankfully I was still mostly healthy. The, um, the babies were still healthy. Um, it was just that I had been throwing up for like 36 hours or something. There was there was some sort of threshold. Um, and I will say, so by my second trimester, I was finally um, prescribed Zofran. Is that, that's what it is, right? Uh, make sure I got the drug right anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that made a big, I mean, that made all the difference. Um, so yeah, I never, I wasn't really gaining weight at the rate that I was supposed to be, but I also wasn't losing weight. And so I think those are the kinds of distinctions. Um, and also similarly, and I, I know this is the opposite in your case, um, but my, uh, the babies were growing at an appropriate rate. So 
you know, those are, those are the things they look at. And as long as those things are there, then how miserable you are <laughs> or how much you're eating or not eating, like, you know, those are, that's all they're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. There's definitely like the realm of normal and a lot of people have like a different thresholds for what they can tolerate as well. I think it, my, I felt very brushed off by a lot of my healthcare during my pregnancy and it just really sort of got under my skin that it could have been a lot better than it was because nobody like took it seriously. And what I found out is that they won't actually diagnose you with hyperemesis until after you're outside of your first trimester because your first trimester, it's so like the range of normal for nausea is very extreme. But to answer your question, Alicia, I got fluids at my very first appointment because I'd lost so much weight and I was so dehydrated. The doctor was like, do you feel okay? And they like tested my urine for ketones and I had ketones my very first visit. So I got like four liters of fluid. My husband actually had to leave me there to go get a, go coach a soccer game and nobody knew we were pregnant. So we couldn't bail. So it was just like, me hanging out in the hospital by myself, getting fluids, my very first, like my very first prenatal appointment, (laughs) but I got to see labor and delivery really early and that's kind of cool, but (laughs) there's definitely a wide range of normal. And I'm interested to know whenever we get to this point of your discussion, how your breastfeeding journey was, but continue. You had perfectly healthy humans that you were growing so I do though want to flag something in what you just said though, which is that um, because nobody knew you were pregnant, and that I think is like this horrible conspiracy that is designed to silence women and ignore our pain. And I'm serious because this yeah. idea of you don't tell anyone you're pregnant in the first trimester, when the first trimester is so hard, you are so tired, you are often very very sick, but you're not supposed to tell anyone. And if you tell someone and then you lose your child, then it's like now you're a downer on everybody and and or you jinxed it or and like the the whole Mm -hmm. social notion that you're not supposed to tell anyone until you know for sure that it's a viable pregnancy is like sorry clearly I have a lot of feelings about this um and and I get it it, it. right like I think that yeah it's it's really sad when people talk about their miscarriages but we know how often we know how common miscarriages are and like maybe if we talked about it it wouldn't be so terrible or maybe if you were so so sick at eight weeks and you're at work and you're running to the bathroom, like, like that should be okay. Right. Like there's a reason that you're doing that. It shouldn't just be this like quiet little secret you're having, including if your husband is going to a soccer game to coach and you're in the hospital. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm so, I'm actually really, really pissed off now. Now that you just brought that to light, because I feel like I had not really thought about that and that's fucking not cool. Like it really isn't. It is like, I don't know. Sorry. I just got, you were very, very impassioned talking about that. And that translated to me. And I feel similarly impassioned about how wrong it is now. I think that at eight weeks and when you're the onset of, um, of the nausea and the morning sickness. And cause I remember when like the nausea first set in when I was pregnant with Graham and I started like eating dry cereal on my commute to work to just make sure like I didn't need to throw up or whatever. Um, but I think what the worry is that so many women are tracking their ovulation so very closely and they're tracking their conception so very closely and that the, the technology for, um, for indicating whether or to like find out that you're pregnant is happening so so much sooner than it used to 
that that window of between five to eight weeks is really not, you're not in the clear. You, you may or may not have a chemical pregnancy. You may or may not be having a viable pregnancy. And so I think that like partially I'm, I feel like from five to eight weeks, maybe you don't want to share, but like after eight, for sure, for sure you should be sharing and, and it shouldn't be stigmatized and you shouldn't feel like that you have to keep it under wraps to make sure it's viable. Well, and sorry, all of that with the caveat of like, no one has to disclose their pregnancy at any point, whenever they're ready. Right. And different people have different lines that they draw for different reasons. So yeah, so that's not, it's not a judgment on any woman for disclosing whether or not she's pregnant. It's just a judgment on society for creating, yeah, so- creating situations where they might not feel comfortable. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So, okay. So Sarah, let's go to, let's go to your, um, so obviously there was a, by the second trimester, things lightened up a little bit. And so why don't you talk about the end of your pregnancy and then you can even tell us your birth story if you want to. No pressure. (laughs) Well, so I would say, so I I was sick throughout, I think I was, I think I stopped like vomiting all the time. Um, close to 29 weeks um, around that. So, and even then I was still miserable. Um, and that's the other, like, so the mental health aspect of this and, and honestly, just like literally just being nauseous all the time is kind of like a mood killer in addition to whatever hormonal response being pregnant um, is. So uh, I did have someone recommend to me uh, toward the, I don't remember when I was in the pregnant, but she said, you know, there are hyperemesis support groups. Like you could talk to other people who are going through this. Like it's really, it's really hard to, to be in this space. And I was just like, I don't need it. I think I said like, I don't need another thing. Like all I, like all I can barely do is like hold on to my job, try to, try to get through the day. Like the idea of even doing additional, anything additional was too much. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the nausea though, it was more nausea. Once I had the medication, it was more nausea and less vomiting, but still vomiting at least a few times a day. Um, and then by the end, and here's another one where, um, again, like the range of normal is wide, but I think that for twin, um, twin moms, it's a little bit harder because you just, you're carrying so much weight, um, at the end there. So I had really severe pelvic pain, um, to the point that, actually like there were there were times that I couldn't walk um because it was just so so severe um and again like like you hear all these horror stories and I it wasn't all the time like that but there were times when it was like that um and I remember also like and here's you know the sign I just don't think the science is there yet you know there was a recommendation I could get physical therapy but then the referral was to a place that seemed like it was more of like physical therapy place and then all of a sudden I'm like I don't know if I want someone I don't know like messing around in my pregnancy it just feels like things are really you know we're almost at the finish line I don't want to mess anything up um so so yeah I don't I think it was it was a similar experience in terms of like having a complaint to a healthcare provider and being told just sort of repeatedly like yep that's what it is to be pregnant yep severe pelvic pain is normal (laughs) um continuing to feel sick is normal severe fatigue is normal being, being depressed. I mean, by the end I was getting really depressed. Um, and it wasn't until the end of the pregnancy that I think it even made it into the notes that like, Oh, she's really depressed. Um, so that's, we're not on my birth story yet, but I I just want to clarify that it did not actually get better in the second. 
Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask at this point. So, are you uh, are you seeing an uh, like a midwife group, or are you considering getting a doula? Like, what kind of a support system did you seek out, or, or were you just kind of like, tell us about it? Tell us about it. Um, so I actually early on decided that I, I did want to work with a, um, with an OB. Um, I, it's interesting because in my professional life, like I work, I work in nursing, um, like with nurses, uh, great admiration, um, for midwives and all of that. Um, I had some health issues going in that I, I just, I don't know. I, I think I wanted to have that like additional layer of, um, other, yeah, just other conditions that I was managing. So, um, so I knew I wanted an OB and I mentioned that I had selected my doctor from the prior um, procedure that she had done for me. Uh, in terms of support, I have an incredible family. Um, Carrie knows it. She's part of my family now. Uh, but I, um, my mom is a career pediatrician. Um, my sister is my best friend, lives close by. Uh, my mother-in-law is a, is a nurse. Um, so there's just a lot, like there were a lot of um, resources close by and, and medical people as well as, you know, family, they, they hit all the, all the marks. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that was really the support system I leaned on. Uh, and I did also decide to do a C-section um, early on. So the, the other thing about twins and here's where like, I don't know, like on the, on some of the stuff I'm like, oh, I guess I was just, I, it's hard to know whether I was um, taking it too seriously or whether my doctors were not taking it seriously enough. On this one of the early delivery piece, I think that maybe that was like, she was a first time mom and she didn't really know what to expect. So I will say I started having contractions like really early in the third trimester. And the thing about twins is that they often come early. And then there's all these horror stories that you read about twins that come early and all these times that like, you know, it's always better to get checked out. It's always better to go in and get monitored and make sure nothing's wrong. And if you call the hospital, of course, they're going to say to come in because they want to make sure that everything checks out. So I will say in the third trimester, I went to the hospital a lot. Like I probably, um, like there was, a, there was a specific night resident that we actually got to know pretty well um, <laughs> because that's what we did. And we would like, oh, what was the show we were watching this that time? But let's like download episodes of this show so that we would have something to watch while we were there and I was getting my little fetal mammogram thing. Yeah. Did they give you fluids while you were in the hospital? By that point, I didn't need fluids. By that point in my pregnancy when I was having the contractions, I didn't. I was just wondering because the uh, dehydration causes contractions. So that's why I was curious. Yeah, they didn't. Um, one cool thing also about a twin pregnancy is they do ultrasounds all the time. So I guess in... Uh, singleton pregnancies that's what that's what non-twin pregnancies are called yeah uh, I know that's the medical term it's so weird but yeah yeah so when you have a twin pregnancy you see the word singleton all the time but if you don't you would never see that um but yeah, <laughs> you you don't get a lot of ultrasounds I got ultrasounds like every week and by the end they you know you go in for monitoring like twice a week because it's a high-risk pregnancy so there's just like all this additional additional attention <laughs> and so then what, so what, so you decided to get a C-section early on. Um, and I don't even know, I mean, did they give you the option to, I mean, I'm sure you can have the option to deliver kind of the, like, I guess, you know, the old fashioned way, but I, vaginally, but there's risks involved. I don't know. So what is that calculation like? 
Yeah, so as long as if everything works, if everything lines up, and that's like even quite literal. So um, if the babies are in the right position, if if they're looking healthy, if mom is healthy, then you can, you can, you can definitely do a vaginal birth. And um, many twin moms do. Uh, there are lots of things that I don't want to say could go wrong, but could make it so that's not all lining up. And I think that part of that is also like who your provider is. So if I had been seeing a midwife, it's possible I would have been steered, um, steered a different direction. I was very comfortable with the idea of a C-section, um, maybe too comfortable with the idea of a C-section. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, full disclosure, things did line up for me. My, my The babies were in the right position, um, so I, I could have done it. But by that point, I was just like, let's be done. Let's let's stick to the plan. And I think with like, with a C-section, everything is so um, like organized, not the word I'm looking for, but like, you know exactly what to expect. You've got your date, you've got your plan, everything. Like there's so little room for surprise, right? And I think that when you're already dealing with unknowns and anxiety and depression towards the end, like you said, like the the last thing you want is to deal with a surprise and like the idea of knowing exactly like you could schedule the day, you know, what's going to happen. You just go in and it's all like laid out for you that that's comforting. And that's, that's helpful to your mental health overall anyway. Right. Like, and that's, I can, I could see that that would be, um, that would be wanted around that time too. And I, I think that it, it is also like the people around us, really do color our perception of things. So my sister had had a C-section with her, her first and it, and it was an emergency C-section. So she didn't know going in. And like that to me is like the worst of all worlds, right? You're in labor and then you have to have a C-section. So like everybody loses, except for a healthy sleepy and mom. So actually everybody wins, but, um, but yeah, so I feel like I was like, well, you know, she did it and it'll be okay. Wow, Sarah. Well, thanks so much for sharing your um, experience with twin pregnancy uh, with all of us and with all of our listeners. Uh, we're starting to run out of time here, so I think we should continue this discussion in our next episode where we can talk about the birth story as well as what it's like to parent twin toddlers. Oh my goodness. Um, well, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and I hope to see you back at the next episode. Thank you for listening to the AverageMoms.com podcast. If it's not one thing, it's another.